image. Are you tired of fighting so hard to make it look like you've got everything held together? It's exhausting. We can be a slave to the image of who we wish we were, or we can be growing in the image of the one that we are called to reflect. Today, I want to take us on a journey to think about whether our life is really orientated around Jesus and what he thinks is most important for us. And I want to suggest to you that God, the gold is in who you are, not in what you have. The gold is in who you are, not in what you have. And perhaps today would be an encouragement to you to face your mess so that you too can see the gold that God has placed on the inside of you and that Jesus is indeed seeing as you begin to hunger and thirst for his righteousness. My text today, Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. We've had a lot of fun so far with this uh, series, Addressing the Mess. For those of you who were a little bit worried two weeks ago, Emmanuel is my friend and one of the Bible school students. Some of the faces when I jumped off the platform to silly string him, uh, you were a picture I've laughed many, many days from then till now. Um, if you didn't see the message, you can follow online. And last week we saw Simon's amazing hair. If you didn't see Simon's amazing hair in those photos, please also go check that out. Uh, some of our past lives uh, have been shared over the past few weeks. Amen. I want to pray, um, and then I want to get into today's message. I'm a bit nervous because God has only given me one message, and... Um, you'll hear it's a lot about what he's taken me through in a recent time. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. Lord, I pray that every word would minister to your people. Lord, those that have come in need of encouragement for where they are in the middle of their situations. Lord, let them know you in a deeper way. Give me the strength to say everything that you've put in my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you know me, you know that my reputation in the church, on the staff, amongst my friends, is that I get things done. I take messes and I sort messes out. I don't do mess. Rather, mess gets ordered when I'm around. And that feature of my uh, character, my personality, the way that God has made me, has meant that people will often throw messes my way um, because they expect me to figure things out. And so that'll be more responsibility here, new responsibility there. Can you take on this department, figure that out? Can you take on these people, sort them out? And more and more, there would be uh, things that I would end up doing. And my friends and family would say to me, we don't know how you do it, Chan. <laughs> we don't know how you do it. What, what are you doing? Like, how do you do everything that you do? And I would just nod long and smile and think to myself, out of pride, well, you know, God has graced me with a particular endurance, a particular strength. Um, now, for me, my problem isn't so much that I, I pretend or hide. You'll hear today that I can be very, very transparent. Um, but my friends know where I'm at. They know what, what I'm going through. But my problem really is this. I don't know when to say no. I don't know what my limitations are. Um, and so I will always take on more and more initiatives. But my question to you, have I convinced you through my ministry here in the church, through how you see me in the church walking around, that I have my life all together. Great. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> For me today, this is about sharing that some of the challenges I face as a man and as a leader in this house. 
And my hope is that in sharing, you would be courageous to open up to the people that mean the most to you about what is really going on in your life. What I'm sharing today is not because I want you to worry. It's not my intention that you suddenly freak out and go, oh, pastor, da da. But I do want to encourage you, pray for your ministers, pray for your pastors. I've made a personal choice to be very, very open with a group of people that are very close to me and they know everything that's going on in my life. Some ministers don't have that luxury and there has been many reported stories of falls and of suicide and of people leaving the ministry in the last year. And so do pray for your ministers all the time if you'd be so good. Now, I won't have enough time to say everything I'd like to say, so it's a snapshot. It's not the authoritative version, but here, I hope you hear my heart. Now, the red flag that I should have paid attention to is this, that I assume that I would always be able to handle life And the reality is that one thing too much, too many things at once, less focus of a time on Jesus is really a mess waiting to happen. If you've heard my testimony in the past, you'll know that the last time I had a huge mess in my life, the way that I resolved it was through turning to alcohol and violence. Thankfully, Jesus has taken me on a different path now that I've become a Christian and a minister. Um, and for me, one of the great delights, and I hope I can communicate this with you today, is that I was able to handle it a different way because of Jesus who gave me an irresistible offer. And some of us are worried that Jesus isn't interested in the challenges and reality of our lives. And yet I hope to share with you that he is not just interested, he wants to get directly involved in the middle. So it's a little bit more of a serious message from me. Sometimes I think I'm being light and hilarious, but really I'm being serious. And so this is another step to the right on serious, even more serious. And if you judge me, well, I... I hope you don't, but I can't concern myself for that because my reputation now is not as important to me as being close to the Lord. Some of you might freak out because a pastor's being transparent, but some of you might need the encouragement. And I hope that you know by the end of today that you're not the only one. I'll start with a story. I'm sitting at my dining room table at home on my work from home day, This was a study day during the time when I was doing a master's. My wife was out with the kids to give me some space and I'm freaking out. I'm looking at my desktop. I can't see any of the words that are on the desktop. I'm trying to write a dissertation for my master's. In those moments, I can even feel it now trying to describe it. I would feel a welling up of stress. My heart would really begin to pound in my chest. I'd start to sweat. I'd start to feel numb. I'd start to get a headache. I would stand up and try to walk around. I would have to leave the house and walk all the way around the block just to calm down and long enough to write five minutes worth of words down. I was so numb in terms of my experience that I wouldn't be able to hear people when they were trying to communicate with me. I could hear them, but I couldn't hear them. I was just literally trying to survive. What got me here? Last year was probably one of the best and worst years of my life. One of the best because we had our second son born and he's a great delight to us. Uh, but one of the worst because of this situation I'm describing to you. So 
As I said to you earlier, I take on too much. So in my role, I run a Bible college. I'm a minister and a pastor here. We do all the visitations and praying for people, looking after cell groups and so on, preaching on Sundays. And last year, there was a lot of stress. As you know, we had a lot of changes here on the staff and that affects us in different ways. For me, it affected me in the sense of knowing brothers who I'd walked with for many decades were now no longer with us. Alongside that, Bible school and ministry Masters, I mean, what nutcase takes on a master's while he's doing a full-time job and has a new baby, but I thought I could do it. And that would have me sitting in the library until 1 a.m., two nights a week. I was sitting there saying to myself, Gable, you have to do really well in this because I did a chemistry degree. I should have got a first class. I got a third class because I graduated with ethanol studies. If you don't know what that is, <laughs> you need to go to chemistry school um, or a brewery or something. Um, and so... Family, in that context, I'm trying to look after my family. I'm trying to be a loving husband to my wife. I'm trying to be present as a dad. I've got a brand new baby uh, son who has all of those joys, the endless hours of being up feeding him and you know, uh, teething and all of that. So sleeplessness began to creep in, really bad rest, bad eating habits. Um, my friends, uh, my colleagues were criticizing me because I kept my holiday all the way to December so we could go to New Zealand. But January till November without a holiday. All of this piled up to put me in a pressure cooker where I literally began to experience palpitations and anxiety attacks. And what made it worse was that I don't do anxiety. I organize stuff. I don't get freaked out. I don't do fear. And right at the core of this moment, my identity was being challenged in very, very significant ways. Who gave me this unbearable yoke? And people would say to me, how are you surviving? And I would just smile to them and say, you just do until you don't. Mental health affects one in four people every single year. And we don't talk about it as much as we should for something that affects people every single year. Just in the row, one lovely row of you, at least three of you have experienced mental health issues. In a room like this, at least 25% have experienced mental health issues in one year, let alone over the course of a lifetime. There are huge numbers of factors that influence whether it's bereavement, stress, work, family, physical health, sickness. There are so many things that can go on to combine to cause our mental health to struggle, for me, one of the biggest ones was the standards I, ex uh, I set for myself. Everyone is expecting me to perform, expecting me to get this done. Can you imagine the thing that was highest on my radar when I'm having a heart palpitation experience was, but people think, people have invested in me doing this master's. People have paid money so that I can get over the line with this. I've got to do it for them. And many people suggest that mental health issues are linked to brain imbalances, chemical issues, but the reality is that most of us will experience a mental health issue because of circumstances, because of life. And somehow we'll be led to think, oh, this is because of a mental, uh, sorry, a chemical issue, but no, it's not. It's, we are human beings, we are in reality, we face challenges all around us, and sometimes people expect us to be superhuman, and we're not. And we struggle through the different situations that we face. And so for me, 
In those moments, I began to feel out of control, like a huge mess, like I could lose everything that I've spent decades working towards. It felt lonely. It feels like Jesus might not listen because we haven't really spent as much time with him as you should. Feels uncomfortable because you're acting out of who you know you are. Like I said before, I don't do anxiety. And what will people think when me as a leader is having a wobble? Jesus, help. That was about the most I could push out of my heart in those few moments. I'd have to go lie down and try and get my act together so that I could write a few more hundred words. Jesus, help. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And for some reason, I expected Jesus to instantaneously lift all of my stress, all of my anxiety, all of the things that were going on inside me and just make it easy. Put me back to being Gabriel, normal Gabriel that can get stuff done and I'll just sit down and I'll write out the thousands of words. But the reality is he didn't do that. The reality is he asked me to start to speak to people around me, people that I was trying to protect. I was trying to protect my wife from what was going on for me. I was trying to protect my kids. Sweetheart, I can't do this. I need help. Work, I can't do this. I need help. Went to the doctors. I said, listen, I've got a deadline next week. And if I try to meet this deadline, it will kill me. They said, you need six weeks. I was like, no, no, just get them to give me two weeks. No, no, we've seen this before. You need minimum six weeks. So I got a medical letter. I asked my friends to start praying for me. And, you know, Jesus began to organize things bit by bit. So in regard to the dissertation, I, I don't know, a miracle really did happen on that front. Uh, somehow I wrote about 7,000 words in a weekend. And when I submitted it, my uh, supervisor said, we don't know how you did this. You were going to get a fail mark for the draft you submitted, and now you're going to get a uh, 69, which is just one off a dis distinction. We don't know how you did it. Um, and I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. That's good. <laughs> But it wasn't getting the dissertation in that changed things. It was after that that the burnout really hit. It was sitting down on holiday, trying to have fun with my family and feeling like I didn't have anything to give them. Like the lights had gone out in terms of my joy, the plates had dropped and so on. From my, from my point of view, it, my life was a train smash. Now, people outside wouldn't have said the same thing, but from me used to being a high performer, that's where I was. But I got this irresistible offer once again. Jesus wasn't just interested in me getting over the line with my dissertation. Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me and, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I've read this verse so many times in my life, but it always seemed to be about getting something done. Jesus, help me cross the line. Help me get my dissertation in. Help me be a good dad. Help me do well at work. Help me in all of these things. But I didn't realize that this was a partnership, a yoking together with the Lord Jesus on a journey through life that might take some moments, that might take some steps. And it's still a journey that I'm going on. The difference is that my relationship with God is different. 
And I'm, I'm grateful because God held my wife and he held my kids together. And now I get to look at my one-year-old and it's as if last year didn't happen from the mess that I was carrying. The kid is happy. He runs around. He's like, <laughs> and you know, because I always do that laugh to him. He's learned how to copy me, but come and give me a cuddle. And I just say, thank you, Lord. You, you held it together when I couldn't held, hold it together. But what did this look like? What did this look like? It looked like God changing the priorities in my life. I committed to him to say, you know what? Life is so busy, but at least two hours every week, I'll be in a prayer room for that time on my face before you. I'll pray as often as I can through the days, but you know, when your boy wakes up an hour earlier than he's supposed to and all of that mess, it finds it gets really hard to schedule a time. You just have to do it when you can. But that time, God, will be your time. And on my face before God, he begins to speak to me about things that were in my heart. I'm trying to please this person. I'm walking in a wrong relationship with that person. I'm, I'm worrying about people who don't know me. I'm worrying about things that aren't priorities for what God has made me to be. I'm carrying stuff that isn't my responsibility to carry. Just in those moments, he begins to set things in order. Help me enjoy time with family instead of loving work. I'm a, I'm, I'm a confessed workaholic. I have a problem with loving to work. It's, it's good to work, but it's a problem when it takes over, when you're sitting with your family and thinking about when they go to bed, I can get on with another project. And Rebecca's so gracious. She carried me at points. But the thing that makes me happy now is she doesn't just love me. She's happy hanging out with me again, which means so much. And I'm grateful to the team that supported me, people like Michelle and Ben. They've not always understood what I was going through, but I just, uh, I'm grateful for them looking out for me in those times. I want to offer for you three perspectives on recovery from challenges, messes, difficulties. You can find out a lot of information from mental health professionals and so on, but I want to give you my three lessons from... <coughs> I would say from the Lord, I suppose. When you're cleaning up a mess with God, you can't go by everyone else's agenda. It requires you to take time to do things properly. So I would say these three things for me were the most important. Trust those that love you the most. We would tend to want to protect those that love us the most. Keep the truth from them, hide from them, because we want to keep that great image in front of them of who we really are but trust those that love you the most. Jesus sees gold in you, in what you're going through right now, not by what you have, but by who you are. And if you would share that with the people around you, begin to speak to them about the challenges you're facing, you will see that your people who love you want to bless you and encourage you through a time of great trial. Second, I want to encourage you to commit to the process. It takes time. We want to be in the pit and then on the mountaintop three seconds later. And it takes time to journey out of difficulty. It takes time to begin to fix things in your life, put them in order before God. It takes time. The miraculous cure is not the way that the Lord always takes us through. Actually, when you figure out some of Jesus's ways, he's got a huge number of ways. We've normally got one way. Jesus, send me the miracle check in the post. 
Jesus, open that person's eyes so that they will know that I'm supposed to be their partner. <laughs> Jesus, give me that job. Jesus, make sure that my visa application comes through. Jesus, sort these things out miraculously, God, because that's what you're supposed to do. And God's like, you know what? I'm the master at process. I'm the master at day by day, second by second, moment by moment, challenge by challenge. When he takes you through a different path, you know what? In those moments, you've got to forget about people's expectations. Some people have come to me and say, Gabriel, you're not the same you used to be. They're almost like we need you to be back as Gabriel as you were. It's okay. If I am one day, that's fine. But I'm not rushing for you. <laughs> I'm rushing with the Lord at his pace. If that means months on my face, that's fine. If that means I'm never the same again, that's fine. If it means I have to preach embarrassing sermons, that's fine. Third, be courageous. Align to the priorities of what Jesus is showing you to do right now. Do those things. Do those things well. If he's calling you to refocus on your family, do that real well. If he's calling you to focus on your time with him, do that real well. If he's calling you to love one person rather than trying to love everybody, do that well. If, if, you, if you're really crying out to, to God saying you need friends and he's providing you with friends, do that real well. Spend the time to really invest in what God has said in front of you. If you're saying, God, I wanna get married, do the preparation time real well and then go on a date for goodness sake. Please. The only way you forget to get married is by going on a date. Be courageous. Trust those that love you the most. Commit to the process. Be courageous to do what God is asking you to do. You can find out all sorts of other professional help, but that's what I've learned in my time. My goal we're sharing with you today is we don't want to just talk about mess. I'm showing you a mess. Showing you where I was in my mess. But I know that with me sharing my mess that you maybe can look at yours. And instead of trying to hold up the image of what you would like everyone to see, that you just begin to be real with where you're at. And in those moments when you're being real with where you're at, start to journey forward towards the Lord, start to embrace his process. Start to embrace what he's doing in your life. And to know that you will make it through. There was a moment when I was freaking out last year, freaking out, but God kept me, walked me through. You wouldn't know, well, some of you might, but in general, I don't think you'd know that last year happened if I wasn't here telling you today. So I'm grateful for that, but you where you're at, God is with you, God is for you, and this irresistible offer, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. No, 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 Lord, I'll do it my own. I can take care of it. You know what? I will come back to you when I've just dealt with my business over here, God. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Oh God, I just need your help to do this one thing. I just need to get across the line in this one area. No, no, no. Come to me and be yoked with me because the way I do life is different. 
I'm not trying to push you to be some superstar. I don't place all these high demands on you. What I value is your heart, your character, the fruit of the Spirit that's been worked in you, your purity and holiness. I value all of those things is what the Lord has been teaching me over this time. And I was shooting for all the wrong stuff, thinking it was spiritual because it's in church. Come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. It's not just about having a great time lying down and sleeping. It's a peace of heart that like Gordon was preaching this morning, you could be in a storm. Hey, it's a storm. Hey, whatever. As long as I'm right with Jesus, it's all good.